Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we have conversations with transparency about all things mental health, parenting, and stress. Today, I'm really excited to have on Amy Carney. Amy is a leadership parenting coach, author of Parent on Purpose, and speaker who writes about intentional parenting and family life. She started a company, Parent on Purpose, to create content, products, and events to better equip and empower moms and dads during the 18-year journey of full-time parenthood. She and her husband of 21 years are parents to 17-year-old triplets, a 16-year-old daughter, and a newly adopted 12-year-old son. I'm so happy to have you on today, Amy. How are you? Great. How are you? I am doing well, and I'm excited awesome. to, to dive in because I really have to say I absolutely love your book. And you. You, you can see all throughout this book, I have notes, I have highlights, I have ideas. Um, really, chapter one, I, I wrote this on an airplane, love this idea, um, which is visualize <laughs> the end, right? So your book is divided up into three parts. Part one is lead, part two is love, part three is launch. And you start with chapter one, that visualizing the mm -hmm. end. And that one really got me. It, it actually raised my anxiety. So <laughs> <laughs> it really did. It made me anxious. Uh, tell the kids what you mean by this, visualizing the end, and why it's so important. Well, I think that I meant to raise your anxiety because it raised my anxiety when I figured that out a little bit. So I was just kind of racing through motherhood. I'm having triplets, and then a year later, having another one, I had four kids in a year and a half, and I just was reacting to motherhood. I mean, whatever came my way in that day, I tackled, and that was all I cared about. And then as they grew older, and they were in elementary school, I began to realize, wait a minute, like, what what am I doing? I'm, I have no idea what my purpose is as a mother um, in raising these kids. And so I just realized that I was going to lose all four of my kids in one year. Um, and that's coming up for me next year, the start of that. And um, I just realized that I needed to look at the end. What did I want this that time to look like when I launched these kids? Who do I want to launch? And how do I begin to slow down and tackle motherhood today, but yet thinking about tomorrow? So, and so you think, so like the visualizing the end, the way I interpret interpreted it was that you think of them as being 18 years old and the type of mother type of family maybe even type of child you want mm -hmm. them to be and then you kind of work backwards yep so I, I was thinking like what do I want them armored with when they leave my house go into the real world what does that look like and I found us so caught up in sports and school and you know and everything that families are busy with today and I thought but when I when I go to that 18 year old young adult, I don't even think about those. I think about their character. I think about the family memories that they're leaving with. Um, and so how could I make that shift to kind of, you know, still worry about school, sports, and all of those things, but yet really focus on their character um, and our family values and creating these memorable family moments that they can, can leave our, you know, our home with and just have this childhood that, that was, was kind of fun and, and they, knew know they grew up in a nice tight family so <clears throat> you talk about kind of you you had no plan so when people are thinking <laughs> about all of these all of the parenting books that are available what is different about parent on purpose and do you feel like the reader sort of gets a plan as a result of reading this book 
Well, that's kind of my goal. I mean, I wrote it um, short enough where I hope that people could actually read it. Like you said, you read it on a plane trip. That's kind of my hope that someone can pick it up. And it's kind of more of a, maybe making a business type plan for your family. Um, And I find so many times we do that in our lives in other areas, but we don't do it for our own family. And it's just kind of slowing down. And what in the world do I want out of this season? Because that's what we've got to remember that full-time parenthood is just a season. I mean, the day-to-day can feel really long, you know, when we're raising small kids, but as they get older, you see it goes, it does go really fast. And I just knew that I didn't want to get to the end and have regret or guilt or more sadness than I needed um, because I didn't do the things that I had hoped to or that I had wanted to. And so I just hope my book helps people slow down and really get clear on maybe what it is they want out of this you know, season of full-time parenthood and what kind of kids do they hope to launch? So let, let me, let me help the reader get a sense of this. Um, because I see, I'm looking at my, my first note was love this idea, but my second note was that I was crying. So this is, um, (laughs) chapter one, visualize the end. I'm going to read the first paragraph. It says, imagine that your loved ones have gathered family members and friends have flown into town. Your tribe has reunited to celebrate your baby who graduates from high school tomorrow. You can't believe you've already arrived at this monumental moment. How did the time pass by so quickly? And then I have a note. I'm crying. So (laughs) I I was crying or feeling really emotional pretty quickly. So I felt really hooked into that. And like I said, my anxiety was raised because I felt challenged to say, am I writing the script? Am I being the mom I want to be right now today? Because for me, I have seven more years until my oldest will be at that moment. And there are times I feel good. And there are times that I say, oh, my gosh, I just let this whole week go by. Or we haven't even, you know, last night I said to my kids, we didn't go to, we haven't gone to amusement park. I know that's one thing you wanted to do this summer because summer's right at the halfway point for us. So how do you go from, okay, getting the reader to visualize the end to actually creating a plan or making real life shifts for them? So that this this just isn't a feel good or a feel sad kind of book, but it's an actionable yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my hope, and so that's why I've included in there um, what I had to do. In my husband, we stopped and we kind of wrote what I call a parent purpose statement, um, and so I walk a, walk the reader through that and how to do that. It's just basically writing a vision, mission statement for your parental leadership, and um, I hope that it the questions that I um, ask you, they're the same ones I co- ask myself, helps you kind of create this um, parent purpose statement that you can then begin to try and live out and figure out, you know, ways that you want to live out values um, that, that, that you want to be doing and living. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have this whole like get started today um, and you have this pause, pivot, and plan. And I like that. I think this is really... Um, you know, if people can see that for people who are watching on YouTube, um, there is, there is like, what is your present reality? What do you want to keep the same? What do you want to do differently? And what action can you take to move things in a direction that you want to go? And so I, I feel like for some people that could be, those three questions could be pretty life-changing and there's room in the book to write thoughts. That's why I I found myself writing a lot when I was reading this. Um, But one of the things that I found in here too, is that you wrote only 25% of Americans believe that moving out of their parents' home 
is a vital part of adulthood and that you think it's a problem. So you took us from, okay, here's the, <laughs> la you know, high school, they're graduating. Now what happens from graduation to like potentially moving out? Well, how do you see that next phase? <laughs> um, well, I just think, Oh, I, we can all get sad as mothers thinking of our kids moving out right when they're nine, 10, when they're your age. And what I was seeing in culture today is that um, we were holding our children back by not wanting that for them, not wanting healthy adulthood for them. And I just think back to my childhood, like I was, I couldn't wait to move out of my parents' house at 18 and, and begin, you know, my adult life because I didn't want to be under their rules or whatever, whatever. Right. I feel like, and that's kind of shifted now because our kids have such a nice, comfortable, loving life. I mean, most, a lot of them. Right. And so, um, I think we've kind of stripped that narrative away a, a little bit, even though adulthood is the next healthy step for them. And so my husband and I just started having that conversation early, you know, about them leaving our home and that that's how exciting that's going to be. And all the rules that we have, just think you're not going to have those rules. You're going to get to make your own choices. And I think we get scared thinking about that too, that they're going to go make some bad choices probably. Um, Cause I know I did, uh, but that's how they, grow and learn and it's going to be easier for them to do that as an adult out into the world so and you have a strategy I think you have a really good strategy for this and that you talk about parenting six years forward so can you talk about what that means and how you apply that yeah so I think that if looking sometimes at a child as an 18 year old can be hard, right? I mean, if you have young kids looking at an 18 year old, okay, that's a little bit harder to visualize and act on today. So what I did, I don't know. Um, I wrote the book based on a Jenga game. And so nobody really knows that, but um, a Jenga game is made up of 18 layers. And so the book, the bottom six layers here are kind of your foundation. And that's my lead part of the book. Um, and then the middle part is the second section of my book is love. And that's how we create um, our family culture and have fun together. And then the last part, the last six years are the launch and when we're focusing on that 18 year old adult. But sometimes when you're down here, it's really hard to picture the end. And so I say, start six years from now. So if you have, your son is nine, right? Mm -hmm. You have a nine year old. Um, so you start looking at 15 year olds. What, what's going on for 15 year olds today in the world, right? And um, that's cell phones and starting to date and all this teenage stuff. And then you can start wrapping your head around how you want that to look in your family. Um, so that way, when you get to that age, you kind of already have been um, deciding how, how you want that to look and having those conversations. So that all of a sudden I say like your, your child turns 16 and you're not scrambling from behind. You've already kind of know what you want if, if they're going to be getting their driver's license or dating or, um, getting their first job. And, and then it's more of a natural flow than just reacting to what's coming your way, you know, their entire, entire childhood. Yeah. The way so I think of that's it is, worked for me. yeah, I, I think it's such a great idea. And what I would say, since one of the things I really try to talk about a lot is the need to be present with your kids. And so if you hear this, I want you to think, okay, how do I envision my child three to six years from now? And then what, how do I want that to look like? And then what do I need to do today to make that a reality? So it's like you're forward thinking, but then you apply it in the present. Is that the way you think right. of it as well? Yeah. And it's a slow process. It's not like 
you know, it's just something that's in your mind. You know that that's what you're, for example, when my, um, when my kids were in middle school, I started looking at high school kids and what, what's going on in high school and what are parents dealing with and start looking at how, you know, and so around here where we live, there's, there's party buses. I don't know if they, you have that where you are. And I'm like, I'm not sure if we want our kids going on party buses and that whole thing. So we started having that conversation with our kids well before they got to that point that, you know what, that's probably just not going to be a thing we're going to do in our family that doesn't really fit with our family values. And um, so when we got to that point, it wasn't really an issue because they already knew they weren't going to be doing it and they weren't going to be participating. And so I find it's easier sometimes to stick to those decisions when you've already been having that conversation for a while, um, even though they're not happy about it. And I think we can fall into that trap a lot of time too of wanting our kids happy all the time and knowing that these decisions, sometimes these decisions we're going to make are just not going to make them happy. But it's just a, it's just a framework to help us, um, not not continue to keep reacting and to be a more proactive parent. So if you say, you know, the end result necessarily shouldn't be our child's happiness when we're parenting mm-hmm. on purpose, then what do you think it should be then? Well, I mean, when I'm, when I'm picturing my 18-year-old leaving, I hope that they're somewhat happy, right, that they've had a happy childhood. But I also know that the world is going to beat them up a little bit, right? It's, it can be tough out there. And so if they're just used to being happy all the time and mom and dad, catering to their happiness, then that's just setting them up for failure in, in r- the real world, because that's not how, how the real world works. I mean, there's going to be t- hard times for them, and um, and they've got to kind of know know what that feels like and know how to manage that and work through that when they're in your home. So. Yeah, I, li- I, like to, I like to talk to parents about that as I, you know, going going towards some other qualities besides happiness, like I want mm-hmm. them to be resilient or gritty, or intelligent, or street smart, kind, empathic, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these other things. So we default to, yeah, I just want them to be healthy and happy. I just want to give them the best. That's another thing Mm -hmm. I hear a lot, right? I just want what's best for them. And I think similar to some of your messages, I say to people, doing what's best for your kid all the time is actually not doing them a service. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. I mean, when I look back to, and I look, I refer back to my childhood a lot because yeah, my mom wasn't too concerned if I was happy all the time. I don't know. Maybe was yours. Like no, they knew what their role was. They knew what their job was. And it was to produce um, a well-functioning adult, a well-functioning citizen. Right. And we've kind of forgotten that. And so it helps me to think back, well, my mom wasn't too concerned if she had a, a rule that I didn't like. And so it helps me do the same with my kids and, um, and I think it's good. I think it's because you do want your kids happy on most days. That That's nice, but that's not our goal. And that can't be our end. It just can't be our end goal. And I just find it is happening a lot. We don't, cause it doesn't feel good when our kids aren't happy with us. Yeah, it doesn't, but our, it's, it's reality. Right. Our, I think that the parenting styles have shifted where today our happiness meaning a parent's happiness is very tied up now with their child's yes. perceived happiness. And that's becoming really dysfunctional. It's, it's putting parents in positions where they're making what I see decisions that are outside of their financial means, yep. their time bath, you know, their, the, the time that they have, like their, their width of time, um, their bandwidth. I'm trying to think of that word. Um, yeah. And so they're just making decisions that actually aren't, aren't even purposeful or maybe well, thought out because they're being reactive to their child. Um, Right. 
And so I, I, that's why I like this book so much because I think it really provides a grounding. That's how I think of it. It's a great grounding. It's a great gift, I think, even for an expecting mom or a very young parent. At any age, it probably would be great. But if you could start off with saying, let me sit down. If I have a partner, let me sit down with my partner and let's talk about how we really, how we want to raise our child. Because as soon as the child comes or they get older, mm -hmm. those influences start infiltrating you. And you might make a decision like let your kid go on that party bus because you feel pressured because you haven't consciously oh, thought yeah. about that, right? 100%. 100%. Yes. So yep. in part two of your book, you talk about play right off the bat. Can you tell me what your thoughts are about play about youth sports and solutions that you've seen um, around these things that you call madness? <laughs> well, we, um, the book began because we, our family ended up in an RV um, in 2014. So five years ago, we pulled our kids out of school, quit our jobs and traveled the entire U.S. Um, in an RV because we needed desperately to slow down and have some playtime in our lives. And I had mistakenly thought my kids were playing because they were in, they, they were multi-sport athletes, so they were going from sport to sport to sport, and, and you know, so they were in good shape. And so I feel like we we look at that as play, but youth sports is no longer play. It's it's like a business for these kids and for our families. I mean, it, it dictates our family narrative um, now, and and it's fine. We're still a sports family, but we had to get away from it all to really redefine what in the world. Um, we wanted uh, out of the, our family and how are we going to be able to do these sports and still balance it with some downtime and playtime. Um, and so we've made some pretty courageous decisions uh, in our family um, on purpose that have affected um, our kids probably. Um, when we got back from that RV trip, our daughter who was on a first team, you know, she had to drop down to the lowest third team because they can consider her uncommitted because we had, you know, taken time off and we decided that that was going to be okay for us. And it was disappointing for our daughter, but we had to talk about that. This wasn't going to consume our entire family narrative. And that's what I was afraid of. And that's, that's what was happening um, is that all of our family time was being spent on the sidelines of our kids' lives. And so I really wanted to write about it and be more mindful about how can we have our kids in youth sports today but try and have a healthy balance with still creating, you know, the family memories um, that we want with our family as well. Yeah, you just said something. You just said a quote that is just so powerful. We were sitting on the sidelines of our kids' lives. And that is literal and metaphorical, I think, yeah. for so many parents and families and you get caught up and you you don't even realize it. you have to take a step back and so I think to myself um, what an amazing experience you and your family had to be able to do this RV road trip and let's say m many many families are not going to be able to do that so For sure how can you without you know quitting your job and hitting the road and getting off devices and all of those amazing things how can you know an average family find time or space, what can they do to have this clarity and, and make these kinds of choices? Well, I think you have to just really be mindful and purposeful about creating time like that. So in our family, we still carve out time. Um, like next week, we've got 
we're heading up to campgrounds just an hour away where I know they have terrible Wi-Fi and um, and we're going to need that because our teenager, our four teenagers will be on their devices if they can connect. And so this is per the kids have no idea that that's why we're going up there to camp as a family um, and nor do they need to know. But um, it's a, it's just a courageous choice that we're making um, instead of going to a nice hotel on the beach, which would probably be more comfortable for everybody. We're, we're going to do this because we know it will bond our family. It will connect our family. We're not going to be able to connect to the internet, internet like we can normally do. Um, and we're going to be able to have those, make those memories and spend that time together. And then when we come back, we'll be back to the sports and, um, you know, and back into our routine. So I just think you just need to take time out once in a while um, and cre create those memories that you want to. It's, and sometimes it gets hard because tournaments nowadays too for sports are family are on thanksgiving and over christmas break and so we're, we're spending our holidays now at these tournaments and um so sometimes we will purposely miss a tournament um and we just have to do that in our family because i have five kids who are in all different things and so we will never be together if we don't purposely make the choice to say you know what tell all the coaches tell everyone here we won't be there or whatever courageous it's got to be a courageous choice, and there will be consequences for these choices that we make. But in the end, if we don't make them, we're going to end up with regret and sadness that we didn't really create the memories or do the things together that we had wanted to do. Because this youth sports culture, it's not just sports, um, this performance culture is just stripping away our the scenes of our family stories. Yeah. What last time that we spoke, you told we were talking about making courageous choices and maybe even sometimes being unsure about the courageous choices, but having mm -hmm. your family plan as the guide. Those values are there. We value family time. And so decisions that we make are based off of that value. I use that as well when I'm counseling families or trying to make our own family decisions. But you talked about your son and hockey and you know, I think a situation that people would be interested in hearing about because it is such a courageous, out of the box, probably one in a million kind of decision <laughs> that you all have made. Um, so if you're comfortable sharing that, I think that people would be interested in knowing about that. So they really get an example of how courageous we're talking. Yeah. Um, so one of one of my triplet sons is a competitive, you know, club hockey player, travels all around, and that's been his main goal. And he did just get drafted into the next level, into juniors and onto a team, um, which means he should be leaving our home and our family and going off and playing this year as an 18-year-old. But the good thing is we knew that this was coming or could be a possibility, right? Um, so my husband and I started talking about it years ago. What, what if? What if he gets drafted? Are we going to send him off? Are we, you know, not? And we had decided years ago that that is probably not what's best for him or our family. We we want him to stay with his triplet brothers and graduate high school and just enjoy a senior year of high school. I mean, you can't ever get that back. And so we had, okay, that's great. You know, it's easy to make those decisions when it's not happening. And then it happened. Um, I think it was May of this May, uh, sometime and he got drafted. And so it's time for him to go. And we had to really make the decision um, and stick to it that we are not going to send him while everyone else of course, is sending him because it's kind of crazy not to send him. But um, to us, like he's an intricate part of our family and we want him home for this last year. And we um, told them, no, we told them we're going to keep him home and he's going to finish out his senior year. And then um, God willing that 
that opportunity will still be there and he'll be able to to go next year as as the adult when he it's time for him to launch so yeah it's a very difficult decision it's easy to say those things like you say years in advance oh yeah that's you know we're going to keep him home but when you're in it and he's offered that spot and it's on the internet and it's you know and you're looking at it and everyone else is making a different decision than you it's very hard very to stick hard. to what to what you said i mean it was it's it was very hard for all of us um because we don't know we don't know if that opportunity will still be, be there we we feel like it will be but um only time will tell but we're, we're super excited that we made that decision i know i'll never regret um having my son son home with us you know to to finish off his last year of high school so I'm excited, but I'll have to let you know. Yeah. I may have next year. <laughs> well, I, but I, I just like the clarity that you had. Like you, you look at it as I'm in my next season, right, of parenting, and that would be launch or I'm approaching it. And I ha where I'm not done doing my work. He's not right. quite ready to launch. He's close, but he's got another year. Yes. And so you had this guiding principle that helped you make a decision that I really can't imagine very many families make. Um, very, very oh. different. So I really respect that. And I think it also highlights the clarity that um, if you do something like follow, parent on purpose and make intentional plans and really get on the same page with your partner, that you can, when faced with tough decisions, although they're still tough while you're making them, you are grounded and you know why you're making your decisions. I really like that. Uh, yeah. In the third part launch, you talk about life skills and you start off with an example about your adopted son. Can you talk about what, if any differences you see um, in raising a child who is adopted and who has some special needs and what advice you have for other parents in this situation? Okay, well, um, we had adopted our son at the age of 10. And so when he came into our home, um, he was not up for doing much of anything. I mean, it's just asking him to tie his shoes would make him fall to the ground in a puddle, uh, you know, and, and upset and crying. So I thought, oh boy, like, how is this gonna work out? Then over time, I just realized that I just treated him just like I treated my others, that, um, that I believed in him um, and I needed him to be a valuable part of our family, right? And so being a valuable part of our family meant helping out and doing what it is that he could do for himself and, and to help out um, others. And so it's been amazing to see in two years how far he's come. And I think he's got a better set of life skills than, than uh, my biological kids. So it's just been awesome to watch this kid who does um, have some needs that my others don't have still um, find the con he's, he's so much more confident now uh, because he can do all these things by himself. And he doesn't need, you know, mom to, to do these things for him. And so I've just seen his confidence just grow and he loves helping out in the family now and it does it helps them feel like they're part of something it builds their personal confidence and um so i don't see any difference now wonderful wonderful so the the takeaway at least from your own experience was you had a situation where you could have treated him differently maybe changed even your parenting plan maybe even mm -hmm. adjusted some of those values oh we can apply those rules to the other four but him he's different and i yeah. think what you're saying is i'm sure there are still some accommodations yes. that you made but in general the spirit was we will still have high expectations of you and we will yes. still believe in you and we're still going to launch you like the plan yeah. isn't to, um, right. and you know, so I, I, I think that's really great for people to hear because 
you know, in this situation, you adopted them out of a foster care system. For some people, it's having a child with ADHD or yes, on the autism cats. spectrum. Yeah, it, mm, for some, of those. exactly. So those kinds of special needs can look different in each family. But what you're saying is he had a lot of challenges, but I, we stuck to our family plan. And obviously with some adjustments still, we're still doing the three steps and he's yes. still going to launch and we believe in him. And I really love that. Exactly. I love that message. Yeah. So right, because our goal is the same for him to launch as, a, as an adult, as my others. So I've got to do my best to help teach him how to do that, whether that's really going to happen or not. I'm not sure, but um, he, I want to give him the best shot to be able to be a highly functioning um, adult who can launch into the world, just like, like my others. So, yeah, it's beautiful. So last you end with, you end the book with living out your legacy, which is the same way that I ended mommy burnout. Mm -hmm. And so I know what it meant for me um, in mommy burnout, but what did you mean by that? And can you give the listeners one actionable thing they can do today to start parenting on purpose? Well, I think one actionable thing people can do is just make that one small courageous deci decision that you know might have a consequence to it though. But th so that scares you from, from doing it right from um to going to the campground with no wi-fi is going to be more work for me right because no one there's gonna be people complaining and um it'd be easier to go to a hotel on the beach a nice hotel um because everyone will be happy um it's making small courageous choices um that you really want to make but you're scared to make um because you know there will be some some consequence to it or it will be harder but that you know in the end it's just going to write a much better scene for your family's story. And so when you wrote, when you read that piece about sitting there watching your family movie, you know, before your 18 year old graduates, wh what scenes do you want to see in that? Right. And courageously live one of those out and you'll never regret that. I, I don't think you'll ever regret um, making a courageous choice instead of just going with the flow or what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I love I love the message of your book. I love this book, Parent on Purpose by Amy Carney, a courageous approach to raising children in a complicated world. And I really don't say that um, loosely because I read, I think, every parenting book out there. And this one to me is just, it's right on point. It doesn't go on and on. It gives you a plan. And I just really appreciate it. It's really made a difference um, just in the way that I'm thinking. And I know that I want to share your message. So I appreciate you being on. And oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your message with everyone. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.